0: Hey, let's dive in. Go with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. I don't want to say too much on the front end because I have a loaded sermon. Truthfully, I have more content than we have time to cover. So uh, we'll get you out uh, just in time for the Super Bowl. Just in case. No, not that late. But uh, go with me to Galatians, chapter 3. Let's go to verse 26 through 28. So good to see you guys. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you look good this morning. Go tell him that. You look good this morning. Y'all do. You guys look great. Man, you guys are so much better looking than the 930. I said the same thing to them about you, so it just, (laughs) hey, let's go. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, here's a key verse right here, okay? There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, that's that, that I'm going to come back and extrapolate on that. But, but that's a key verse. Now, let's jump to Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty one. There's one more verse that I want to read in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty one. And it's t- Paul talking to, to men and women, and he says this, submit to one another. Everybody say one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for christ for the next few moments i'm going to take on this hard conversation that i've titled the future is male and female the future is male and female and if you're wondering what in the world did we talk about last week i talked about a uh, our sermon was on this thought called uh, masculinity is not toxic masculinity is not toxic so we're building each week and um, let's dive in but before we do let's pray so right there would you pray for me and let's just pray for the hearing of god's word father we thank you for this day your grace And uh, we thank you, Lord God, for being with us. I pray, God, that you would speak to us through the power of your word right now. Pray, God, that every heart and mind is open and ready to receive your word. Pray, Father, that as I speak corporately, that you would speak individually. Would you give a a unique and individual word to every person that is here today, as only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated. We got good weather and somehow there's just like food blowing through this tent right now. I, ha- I better hurry. You guys are going to tune me out real quick. So, uh, hey, listen, I've had the privilege of officiating a lot of weddings. I love officiating weddings. It, it really is a joy. It's one of those things that we get to do as pastors and ministers. And so um, I, I've got this, this, this talk that I give, this, this thought that I give. About weddings, and I, I call it the altar of expectation. If you've been with us for any period of time, you heard me talk about this. It's my working theory, but you get an update today because my theories are always working theories. And when I get more information, I get to update my little theory. So, I, I call this the altar of expectation. And so, what will typically happen is you have husband and you have wife, you have bride and you have groom, and they've never looked as good as they've ever looked there on their wedding day, and they look so great. And, and you got the, you got the man and the woman, and the woman. Is is holding the hands of her husband and she's looking gazingly into his eyes. And in the back of her mind, she's thinking, I can't wait to change him. <laughs> I can't wait to change him. You know what I'm talking about? There's just some things, here's you know, some, some edges that need smoothing out. And 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 you women just can't wait till you're married, because you're married, you're in covenant, and now you can finally address that thing you didn't want to address before, but now that you're married, it's like, oh. I can't wait. We're going to smooth him out. We're, I'm going to do an episode of Fixer Upper on my husband, okay? i got to <laughs> change some things. Now, on the flip side of that, the, 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 the man is looking at his wife, and she's never looked more beautiful. She's, she, she's just looking amazing. And the man thinks to himself, oh, she's never going to change. She's never going to change. She's always going to be this way, and all the married people in the room, you know, she changes she changes. Listen to me. It is impossible to incubate little humans inside of you and not change. And and so so a a woman is going to go through biological changes that will change her emotions, that will uh, change the way that she talks to people, and you are going to see your wife begin to change. And so what happens is you've got the man thinking, oh, she's never going to change, and she will. And you got the woman thinking, I'm going to change him, and you won't. Because here's what I know. Men change, but not that much. Like you might get them to get rid of that couch, you know, that bachelor pad couch, you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to be successful with that. But men generally don't change that much. And women are going to change a whole lot. And that I think is the beginning of the tensions inside of a marriage because there is this altar of expectation. We think he's going to change and she, and he thinks she's never going to change. And you're both wrong. Now I told you, I, I have, I have updated my theory. Okay. So, so I've, said this to the church many times before, but let me give you my update, okay, as I've spent some more time researching this, and, uh, and, and, and here's what I've come to know, men will change, okay, but the way that men will actually change is when God changes them, come on, let's give it up for that, come on, how many of you know that God can change anybody, you know what I mean? And, and, and what I've seen happen is sometimes women, after trying to, you're done being Joanna Gaines on your husband, you do what you should have done in the first place, and they're like, I'm just going to give him up to God. That's what you probably should have done right at the get-go. Like, if there's anything that really needs to be fixed, give it to God. You know what I mean? Like, like give it to God. And, and I've seen God just really change men. You know, truly make them from Saul to Paul. I've seen that happen. But it, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in a man. Now, now, now men, listen. She's still going to change. She's absolutely going to change. Women go through seasons. They go through, th- it's, it's just so much more different. It begins biological and it goes social. But, but listen to me, man. God will change her into the best version of her. God will change her into the best version of her. So, so just know that, that you got to buckle up. You're going for a ride, okay? <laughs> uh, okay, Junior, you with me? You tracking with me? She's going to change. But, but God's going to make her the best version of her, Okay. And and so I say that because I really want to talk to you about what is the role of male and female? (laughs) What is the role of male and female? And as I've said, what we are doing in this series is culture will sometimes prop up ideas that, that will be cultural ideologies that will begin to lift itself up. And if you are not careful and if you do not grab that cultural ideology and compare it with God's word, listen to me, lighthouse, this is what we do. You have to hold it up to the truth of God's word and say, does this measure up? This, listen to me, believers, Jesus followers, all you Christians in the house, this is the work that we do. We we whatever culture is saying this is the message, you said, okay, okay, but but how does that message square up with the word of God? How does that stand in light of God's truth? Because culture changing all the time. Culture is up and down. And what's good today was bad 20 years ago. What's good today is going to be bad 10 years ago, 10 years from now. So we don't go with culture. What do we go with? God's word. We go with this foundation. We go with this principle. We go with the word of God. Keep, keep point right here. Properly interpreted. Uh, the, the word of God in context. And we apply that. And so that's why we were tackling this series, because here's what uh, here's what culture is saying now. Y'all ready for it? I said all that to get to this culture is saying the future is female. Culture is saying the future is feminine. That's what culture is saying. That's the loud thing that culture is saying. It's even on T-shirts. to saying the future is female. A- and I want to I wanna address some of my concerns, what I see through the word of God, because I, I try to figure out what does that even mean? Before, before I get upset about a statement, let me just ask, what does that mean? And so here's what it means. I, I found the definition of what it means when what is the, the like what's under the hood when someone is saying the future is female. It means this attitudes and values viewed as feminine are the future. Attitudes and values viewed as feminine. Everybody say feminine. feminine. Are the future. Okay, that's number one. Number two, and I'm going to break down each one. Number two, systems of male violence have run their course. Systems of male violence have run their course. So, so there, there, there's this, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to say that, but, but that we, we, we have made male violence into one word. You know what I mean? Like these two things, male violence, and we've espoused these two together and say they are inseparable male violent male predator male bat right and so so this is under the hood of this thought i know you might think oh that makes like that that makes for a good t-shirt for my daughter but what is this movement really saying this movement is saying that the attitudes and values Um, uh, viewed as feminine are the future and that systems of male violence have run their course so I was reading this article and and, and just because it is an article I do also want to say that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gospel it's someone's opinion but but I think his opinion represents the voice of this movement of the future is female and this is what it said I'm going to just quote some of the stuff in the article okay he says the way of the predator has been established by men Wow, that's a big statement. Like, Predator was a pretty cool movie in the 90s, you know what I mean? But it's like, this is just saying, like, the way of the predator. Men are predators. And he went on to say, and this was a man writing. He said, must be replaced by the way of the nurturer, which is his words, which is inseparably female. Only women nurture, and men predator. And he went on to say that um, he, he presented leading women, who are um, championing incredible justice causes. And he said, because these women are championing incredible justice causes, therefore, it's feminine. Therefore, it's feminine. That's like, that's like getting a really big paintbrush, like a roller. You know what I'm saying? We're just rolling it out. Okay, because Elizabeth Warren believes in these things, therefore, it is a feminine idea. And And, and let me... Let me, just, let me just say this, okay? To, I love the fact that this article is saying that we need to bring genuine care for people again. Absolutely. I love the fact that this article is saying that we need to make health care available to everyone. We need to make education available to everyone. We need to provide care for people in the margins. Absolutely, I agree. But what the article is saying is that's feminine. It is feminine to care for the people in the margins. It's feminine to provide care for those who can't uh, care for themselves. It's feminine to do those sort of things. And that's where I'm like, hold on a second, because when I read my Bible, I see someone who's a lot older than Elizabeth Warren, who was providing care for the people in the margins, who was providing care for the disenfranchised. There's someone by the name of Jesus who came 2,000 years ago and did everything that you said, it's feminine. And, and 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 so so let me let me read to you some of the things that Jesus said. Can we do that? Because for some of you they're like, mm, I don't know, Pastor Josh. Let's, let's go. If, let's go, Matthew chapter five. I'm gonna just read some verses to you rapid fire. Matthew chapter five, verse seven. Jesus said this: Blessed are the merciful. Everybody say merciful, merciful. for they will be shown mercy. Jesus said that. Jesus went on to say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of of God, He went on to say, but when you give to the needy, not if you give, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is Jesus talking, and he's not trying to make some sort of cultural movement. He's just trying to propagate this idea that we should love and care for one another. And it's not, and it has nothing to do with gender. He says that we got we to gotta, we gotta love and care for one another. Let me read to you a larger passage of scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 25. It's six verses. I'll, I'll read it and then we'll, we'll debrief, okay? Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. This is what he says. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And he goes on to say, When I was hungry... You gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. This is all great stuff, right? So Jesus is saying all these things have happened. And, and then They answered back to him. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in er, in prison and go to visit? And listen, this is the punchline right here. Then the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So what is Jesus saying here? He, he's making the point that justice here on earth is what separates the true followers of Jesus from the religious folk, from the religious. Well, you know, what I'm talking about like like the religious folk that, you know, they, they, they're nice in church, but they're nasty outside. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the religious folk, they, they're, they're really kind to other Christians, but they're mean to people that look different than them. Religious folk, you know what I mean? It's like having a form of godliness but denying the power therein. That's what Paul called it when he told Timothy. But it's religious folk. That's, that's what I'm talking about. And Jesus said this is what's going to separate the, the true followers of Jesus from The religious folk, he said, those that truly follow me, he said, you you fed someone when they were hungry. You gave someone to drink when they were thirsty. You clothed them when they were naked. You cared for them when they were sick. And when they were incarcerated, you visited them. And then he says, when you've done it for the least of these, you've done it for him. He said, when you've done it for those that were hurting, you did it for Jesus. When, When you did it for someone that was hungry, you did it for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, this is what separates the real from the fake. You know what I'm talking about? Th- this is what separates the authentic from the inauthentic. And I don't know about you, but I like authentic things. I like authentic things. You know what I mean? It's like if I'm going to get Gucci, I'm going to wear Gucci and not Fucci. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I like authentic things. <laughs> I can't afford that, but that was, sounded funny. But what but but here's what happens. What culture is saying is all of these causes are female. And the truth is. They're neither female nor female. It simply means being a follower of Jesus. That's all it means. And, and, and the reason these ideas are held up and preached very loudly, and I want you to get this, is because of the illiteracy and ignorance of the scriptures, and it has compromised the authority of the yeah. scriptures. We got people who know nothing about the Bible talking like they know the Bible. And I don't know, more recently, I've just been so fired up about it. More recently, it's just frustrated me because I'm worried for your kids who listen to people talk about the Bible and they know nothing about the Bible. And this is where mom and dad, they need you to stand up in the gap and correctly teach them the word of God. This is where they need you, mom and dad, not, well, you'll learn from Pastor Bobby and Deanna and Elkins. No, you at home, okay, you at home need to teach your children the word of God. And when culture is smashing on something, you let them know that's not what it says. Like, that's not what it says. Like, like the, the scriptures is not that. The Bible is not that. This is not what the Bible teaches. And, w- and what frustrates me, I'm going to harp on this a little more, but what frustrates me is people will, like, go to the Old Testament and be like, look at how many wives Abraham had. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I'm like, you know there's another testament called the New Testament? And Paul said, you need to be a husband to one wife. Paul was literally saying, hey, just because our fathers got it wrong don't mean we got to get it wrong. And all throughout the Bible in the New Testament, again, most of the people who try to say, Bible bad, they quote stuff that when you get to the New Testament, they're already saying, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. Like, like, I know Father Abraham had a lot of wives, but Father Abraham had a lot of problems, okay? <laughs> so we're just not going to do that no more. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I know slavery used to be okay, but we're not going to do that anymore. That's in the New Testament. We're not going to do that anymore. I know that it, it used to be okay. Listen to me now. It used to be okay for you to be racist. Jew, you can be racist to a Gentile. But Paul said, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. So this is what frustrates me because people will go and pull out the Old Testament and see what well, the Bible says. No, it used to say that. And then, the Bible, and then you get to the New Testament and they're saying, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. This isn't the heart of the Father. This isn't what Jesus wants. This isn't it. And so when I read some of these articles, listen, as much as as it frustrates me, it lets me know that the church needs to do a better job of preaching the truth. Give myself an (laughs) amen. Because Paul said it this way, how can they believe if they've not heard? So how are they supposed to know the truth if the people with the truth are silent? And so they're going to make all kinds of false assumptions about the word of God and, and quote it out of context and misappropriate things, and yet... We're silent with the truth of God's word where we can say, no, that's not what it says. No, no, Paul said we're not going to do that no more. Jude said we're not going to do that anymore. James said we're not going to do that anymore. Peter said we're not going to do that anymore. And I love the fact that when you read the Bible, you just see how it smashes racism. It smashes misogyny. It smashes hierarchies. I mean, it is so, so good when you get in there. And so we have got to get into God's word and put things back in their proper order. Can I get a good amen on that? All right, the Bible says, n- not the Bible, the, uh, the article said this. It said, male violence has run its course. And, and I hate the fact that he espoused males to violence. As if to say males are inseparably violent. And just males, violence. Males, predators. Males, bad. Listen to me. If you continue to carry out that narrative and you speak over your son's that men are violent, that men are predators, that men are bad. If you continue to speak that over your sons, they'll become what you say. Because the truth of the matter is, our words have the power to shape. Yeah. Our words form. And so if, if you're speaking the wrong things over your sons, they're going to walk into that. And it's true of your daughters too. And, but I'm just saying this idea that male violence, male violence. It, listen to me. If, if they're saying that at school... If they're saying that on social media, mom and dad, you've you got to learn how to cut that noise off. <laughs> you have got to learn to cut that noise off. And, and, and find a way, listen to me, mom and dad, find a way to make sure the right voices are speaking into your kids. You have to make sure, because if culture is going to say, say m- males are violent, you're allowing that to feed and nurture your kids. Okay, and, and they will become what they hear. They will live up to that label, false label that's applied to them. Here's a point that I wrote. Culture is trying to apply false labels to men in an effort to do what? To reduce their impact. Now, last week, we talked about um, masculinity is not toxic and brought a lot of data from fatherhood.org, one of them being that 80% of the men in jail right now come from a fatherless home. And, and, And what I said last week was, the enemy has always tried to attack the role of a father, and in every generation, it just looks different. And, and, and so that's why we got to be careful with the voices because there's a lot of things that the enemy is, but he ain't dumb. He's not dumb. He's clever, okay? So so Satan is, is very clever, and he's not dumb, and he will disguise the same attack in a new way, all right? He's going to put new, a new shade of lipstick on that pig, okay? He's going to just find a new way to dress this up, but it is always, listen to me, it is always to get the man away. Always, always. Why do you think the serpent went to Eve and not Adam? And Eve and Adam, where were you? Away, right? Like playing pickleball or something. Like you needed to be there. (laughs) Like you needed to be there. And when the enemy showed up and tempted your wife, You, you needed to be there. And so I think the enemy is just trying to get men out of the homes, why? Because we've seen if you break the man, you can break the home. If you break the home, you can break the community. If you can break the community, you can break the city. If you break the city, you can break the state. And, in the, and and on the f- on the flip side, listen, we got to call men up into revival. We got to call men up into biblical masculinity. We got to reverse that. We got to fix that. And this is why I'm harping on it. And men, I love you. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you up, men, because culture is trying to dim you. Now, Now, let me go on now. I'm not saying uh, – I'm going to make a statement here and, 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 and just be careful with my words, okay? There are a lot of good things that the feminist movement is trying to accomplish, but there are also some bad things, okay? And, 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 and I wrote this down. The feminist movement is dimming the light of men in an effort to make the light of women shine brighter, okay? So we do need to fight for women, absolutely, but you don't do that by dimming the light of a man, you do not need to go and diminish a man in an effort to lift up a woman. That's the attack of the enemy disguised as a female movement. You guys catching with me now? So 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 is is um, I wrote I wrote some notes down here. Um, is inequitable gender pay real? Yes. Okay. Is underrepresentation real? Yes. So so, so does that mean we go and fight with the men? No, what it means is you get a man to come alongside you because that's what we are. We are equal in God's eyes, and we're going to go and fight that together, male and female, and we're not going to dim the light of our man in the process of trying to make our light shine brighter. That's where that movement gets it wrong. Because when you're you're trying to diminish the role of the man, be careful what you ask for. Because if you diminish him to the point that he's gone, you'll be left alone with the consequences. And we know this thing works better when it's together. Everybody say better together. Come on, say better together. It's better together. It's better together. And and um I've not said this publicly, okay? But I'm going to say it now. I'm going to take it out of the box and then I'm going to put it right back in the box again, okay? <laughs> and and then we're going to tape the box and and it's going to go back in the attic, all right? But um I said it at the 9:30 in fairness, all right? But that's it. Just cuz I treat y'all equal, all right? But But when we came out of the organization that we came out of, that was an organization that didn't allow women into the ministry. And as we were getting ready to form this new organization, I stood up and I said, we need to allow women to go into the ministry. And I was the only person saying that. And there was a room full of men and elders not agreeing with me. And I fought that fight until finally someone joined me and I said thank you for joining me alright <laughs> cause you know two can put 10,000 to flight. let's go come on somebody and, and all that to say now today I am so excited because Lighthouse Church because s- someone a male it just so happened to be stood in the gap we now allow women to enter into the ministry here at Lighthouse Church and we got two women about to <laughs> enter the ministry my wife and Pastor Ruthie so come on let's give God praise for that and you know what I don't see in the Bible? I don't see the followers of Jesus, the females, ever really put down the males either in order to establish their worth. I mean, you just knew these women were legit. Like, like you do know that the women that followed Jesus were pretty amazing, right? Like, like, like the first at the tomb, who was it? The females. The females. They, they, they were the first ones there. As a matter of fact, the men were kind of crazy. Like, they put each other down a lot. They did. It's kind of silly. Like, like this one's funny. Y'all know that John put down Peter because he said, I got to the tomb faster. Like only a guy would say that. I'm not lying. It's in your Bible. Go read it. Go read the book of John. John said, and he whom the Lord loveth arrived first. He that was a total flex. (laughs) Like only the dudes were doing that. Right. But the women weren't doing that. The women weren't competing over who, you know, they weren't trying to bring down the men. And, and, And why? Let's get to the good stuff here. Why is that? Everybody say Jesus is my banner. Jesus is my banner, and what I love is that when we look at Jesus, and this is my big statement, write this down, to do good is neither male nor female, but to do good is simply following Jesus to do good is not a feminine attribute. It's the attribute of a Jesus follower. To care for the hungry is not for the women. It's for the Jesus follower. To care for the sick is neither male nor female. It's an attribute of a Jesus follower. Jesus followers stand up for the disenfranchised. Jesus followers stand up for the minority. Jesus followers care for the broken. Jesus followers care for the sick. Jesus followers care for the widows. Jesus followers care for the orphans. And it's not male or female. And I don't know why this world wants to divide. And it's always a division. And it's always trying to get us to fight with one another. Who's behind all that? Well, I know who it is. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on, somebody. But there is an enemy always seeking to divide. And when we go on about, well, man is better or female is better, congratulations. You're feeding right into his plan because he's never been about that. As a matter of fact, Jesus was constantly, write this down, the way of Jesus is to lift up both men and women. And he did this repeatedly. He he would go to the man that was broken and then go with me to John 4. Like, I'm just going to unpack it. John 4, Jesus shows up and he's at a well in the middle of the day and he starts a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Everybody say Samaritan. When he began a conversation with that Samaritan, he was already smashing racism because Jews were racist against Samaritans. OK, so if you're wondering like, like what you sometimes we read the Bible, but we don't understand context this is why we get it. We need to get context like Jesus talking to that woman at the well would have been the equivalent of a white man talking to a black man when slavery was at its peak in our darkest hour in this nation. Like, it just wasn't allowed. So when Jesus goes to the woman at the well, it's like, oh, oh, he, he, we, we don't talk to them. And it, and it wasn't just that. Now it's a male talking to a female when the, the gender hierarchy was so bad. And so Jesus is talking to a female. And she's a Samaritan. And she's a floozy. <laughs> 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 Why would you say that, Pastor Josh? Because when Jesus shows up, He's like, where's your husband? She's like, I ain't got one. He's like, you're right. You've had five. And the one that you are living with, a.k.a. the one that you are shacking up with right now, he ain't your husband either. And yet Jesus still talked to her. Why? Why? Because that's the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is gender, race, slave, or free. We are all equal in God's eyes. (laughs) We are all equal in God's eyes. So what's the way forward? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28. I said this just a minute ago. I'm going to read it one more time. Let's just get to the punchline, okay? Paul said this. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. And he says, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, I need you to get what Paul said in that moment because we read this here in the beautiful United States of America in 2023. And we're like, yeah, duh. No, no, you don't understand. At when he wrote this, this is what he was doing. He was smashing discrimination. He was calling out, um, he was calling out status, social economic status, and he was calling out sexism all in one sentence. He called it all out right there. That's why I said Rome was a severely oppressive nation that the church was birthed out of, was birthed into, I should say, not out of, they were actually birthed into that. And Paul, in one one fell swoop of the pen, he smashes discrimination, status, and sex. And I love it because he says we are all equal in God's eyes. When, when God looks at a man, he doesn't think the stronger of the two. No, he simply thinks, son, that's my son. And when God sees a female, he doesn't think the smarter of the two. <laughs> no, he just thinks that's my daughter. That's how God sees a Slighthouse church he 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 sees us as equals but he, but he also sees us as different. We we have different wo- roles but we are equals. Write this down. God calls men and women into mutual submission. Everybody say mutual? mutual. Say submission. Okay, so that's the path forward. Okay, let me get you some application to get you out of here so you can watch the Super Bowl, okay? So so God calls us into mutual submission. That 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 I would submit to my wife, and that she would submit to me. And it, this is not just marriage. Male and female, no one is better. We're equal. And, and, and God says the way that this all works is that we would submit to one another. Je, Ephesians 521, Paul said this, Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. We, we honor Christ when we mutually submit. You guys tracking with me so far? We honor Christ when we mutually submit. Now, I want you to, I read this verse in a wedding. You guys ready for the wedding verse? I read this verse in a wedding, and we're going to just extrapolate it and we're out of here. It says, Ephesians 5, 23 through 24, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. And a lot of men like that verse right there. We like puff up. our, <laughs> Yeah. I'm the head. Let me talk to you about that in just a second. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, let's talk about this. The head, I'm, the, I'm the head of the relationship. Okay. Okay, Jack. You want to be the head of the relationship? Let me tell you what that means in God's eyes. The spiritual condition of your home is your responsibility. The, the, the health of your marriage, man, is your responsibility—the the, the temperament of your children—is your responsibility. How your family is advancing in this world, men, is your responsibility. So, do you want to be—you want to be the head? Then be the head, because this is what I know. When when I stand before God, and I have to give an account for what I've done with my life, He's going to ask me, "Why'd you spend more time playing video games than you did with your son?" you're the head of that house why did you spend more time playing pickleball than you did with your daughters why why did you spend more time tinkering in the garage than taking your wife out on dates heavy is the head that wears the crown man okay (laughs) heavy is the head that wears so we want to be like i'm the man yeah you are the man so guess what god's gonna look to you and he's gonna ask you on judgment day what did you do with what i gave you and you have to give an account for that That wasn't some verse for you to just walk around like the lazy CEO of your home. I'm the head of the house. That's not so that you can go. Listen to me good. That's not so that you can go and give the best of yourself to your job and your employer and come home and give your family your leftovers. Some of us are incredible employees and terrible husbands. Some of us are great employees and terrible fathers. I've said this before, men. You don't go to work and give them 100% and come home and give your kids the leftovers. You better do what you got to do in that parking lot or in that garage. Collect yourself. Gather yourself. Find your zen, okay? (laughs) Whatever you do. But you walk through that door and you get ready to give your wife and your children the best of you. Because they deserve that. And that's what God asks of you. He said, you're the head. (laughs) That's what it means. Some of you men are like, jeez. Pastor, I thought you said you were going to talk to the women today. I feel like you're still calling me out. I'm calling you up. Ephesians 5.22 says, Women, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. I'm just going to illustrate this. I want to illustrate this through a story, okay? So uh, a few months ago, a lady on our team, mom on our team, great family, and uh, she was part of our launch team. She said, Pastor, my husband doesn't want to go to this church anymore. I said, okay, I understand. She's like, so what do I do? I said, well, you need to follow your husband to whatever church he wants to go to. But I really like being here. I understand. And we really like having you here. And it's painful for me to say this, but you need to follow your husband wherever he is going because he's the head of the home. She goes, okay, Pastor. I said, so where's he going? He goes, well, he does church online. I said, the devil is alive. (laughs) I'm sorry, but the pandemic ended in 2021 with the Super Bowl. I mean, you know. Like, they were all trying to say, like, stay indoors. And then I watched the Super Bowl, and there's 100,000 people in the stadium. I'm like, oh, we're done. We are done. I don't know if you remember that. I'm like, but that's just hypocritical. We're done, all right? Clearly, this pandemic is over. They're wearing masks. Not a single mask in that stadium. Anyway, that's (laughs) sometimes the things we've done as a nation are laughable. Um, But I told her, I said, oh, no, that don't don't work. That don't work. Listen, you go home, and you tell them, listen, I love you. And I will follow you to a Bible-believing church. We'll not follow you to the couch on Sundays, okay? We are going to go to church. We're going to go to church. And so I said, in the meantime, you come here, but you tell him. We'll go when you find us a new church. And then a few weeks went by, and she sent me a message, and it was a great message because she said, my husband found a church. And I said, I am so excited for you. I'm so excited for your family. I bless you. Go with go with all of our blessing. We love you. If, if anything were to happen, you need to church home, these doors are always open to you. And as hard as that is, that's what submission looks like. That's hard even for me, because I'm like, I like you guys being here. It was tough to see you all go, but I understand. And and that's what it means when it says women, to submit to your husbands. It's mutual submission. Everybody say mutual submissions. I'm going to get to the end here. I had more notes than I have time for. But do you guys remember that song, um, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better? I can do anything better than you. You guys remember that song? It, it's kind of cute. Like low-key, passive-aggressive, combative, though. You know? <laughs> it's dressed up real cute, but it's very combative. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but listen to me. Here's, I thought of that. I thought of that when I got to this point. This is my last point. Okay, it's not. It's not next, by the way. So go with me, JP, all the way to the very end. Here's my last point. Anything I can do, she can make better. Anything I can do. My wife can make better. And that's just the way it works. That's what it means to come alongside each other. I'm not in competition with my wife. Are you kidding me right now? Any idea I have, she makes better. I take care of the logistics for our vacations. But do you want to know who's really in charge of making the memories? She is. Like, I handle flights, hotels, where we're going the fun like the memories it's all her because anything I do she makes better I wanted to write a book so I wrote a book but I showed my wife and she's like oh we're going to do this and we're going to do this right. Woo! She's, she, but listen to me she's making it better this is what women do they just make it better and, and I think this is an illustration of, of, of our roles and, and how they work when we're coming alongside one another I've seen this with a lot of guys Like, I've seen them before they were married, what they used to look like before they were married, how they dressed before they were married, you know? It's like, dude, you have, like, you know, it's a month later, you look good, bro. Like, you look good. You used to have one eyebrow, dude. And now you got two. She literally multiplied them, bro. Like, you look good. That's a little mean, but I don't care what you think. It's funny. (laughs) But that's what women do. They, they take the, like these raw materials that we produce and they just make it better. And, and so many times and I've just come to this realization that like in my marriage, I'll do what I have to do and I'll lead my family. But when it comes to making it better, I turn it over to the person that God has given me that makes everything better. And this is what she does. And this is why we gotta get to this place of mutual submission. You mean you can't be living like a caveman, you know what I mean? Like my idea. It, it's not a it's okay. It'd be a lot better if you let her drive, you know what I mean? And and I and I know I'm speaking in generalizations, some some relationships it might be flipped the other way around where she's got ideas and he's more artistic with it, and that's fine too. But but my point being is we complement one another. And that has always been God's design. That has always been God's blueprint for us. Not that we would be fighting one another. Not that the future is only one gender role, but it's all of us doing it God's way. Everybody say God's way. It's all of us doing it God's way because his way is better. Come on. How many know that his way is better? His way is holy Listen to me. His way doesn't change with culture. It's just, it's just consistent. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forevermore. And culture might be going sideways, but you want to know which way I'm going? I'm going his way. I'm going to keep following his direction. And, and it's not about me and my wife fighting, but it's about the two of us coming together. It's not male and female fighting, but it's about male and female coming together. And listen to me, men. We've got work to do. we got to come alongside these women and help them make up ground because there was a lot of inequality. There is a lot of inequality. And they need our help. And God's calling us to do this. Amen, men. Amen, men. Sometimes my wife will have an issue at work. She's like, would you write the email? Oh, yeah. I'll write that email. I'll write a good email. If you let me, I'd go be the one to have a conversation with your boss if they let me. But I know they won't, so here you go. But it's like, like, I'm going to fiercely protect my spouse. But listen to me, women. God has called us to fight alongside you. We're not your enemy. We're fighting with you. And don't diminish the light of anybody to make your light shine brighter. And that's not just gender roles. Like don't be diminishing the light of your coworkers thinking it's going to make your light shine brighter. Don't diminish the light of your neighbor even though they haven't taken down their Christmas lights and you want to call them out with the HOA. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Like ain't going to make you any better. Just like like just let your light shine. You, you, you don't need to walk around diminishing other people's lights. Pastor, did you see what they did? you see that don't make your light shine any brighter. It doesn't. That's the enemy. Pitting us one against one another. Let me pray for you right there. You're at. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as I pray for you? We're gonna get ready to go into worship again. But let me pray over you. And man, I just pray that something in here will nestle itself in your spirit, like a, like a seed being planted in soil, and that God would bring forth truth. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for every person that is here. I thank you, God, for every person that has come and listened to this very passionate preacher. Try to explain the truth of your God word to them. God, I just pray that you would do what you have set out to do right now. I pray that you would do a work in the heart of every person in this room. Help us to see, God, that we're not to live in some sort of competition with one another. We're not to live that way. Help us to come alongside each other. And God, we've got some work to do. We've not gotten it right as a nation and as a church. And I pray, God, that would get that right, that we would fix the things that need to be fixed, and that together we would march forward, becoming the church that you've called us to be. God, I can't shepherd other churches. I can only shepherd Lighthouse Church. So I pray, God, that you give me the grace to do that right. And I pray, Father, that this church, Lord God, would get it right, and that we would be a beacon in this city and to the world of what it looks like when we do this your way, of when we do it the way you've asked us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time, bow your heads, just because I want to make a call. And this is simply for anyone who's not received Christ. And I, I just asked that we do this in privacy. So if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus on the count of three, throw that hand up in the air. You may not have all the answers. That's okay. You might have a lot more questions. That's okay. We want to walk with you through that. But, but many of you believe that Jesus is God, but you've not made him your Lord. If you've not yet made him your Lord and your Savior, on the count of three, throw that hand up in the air so I can pray for you. One, two, three. Throw that hand up big. If you're saying, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to make him my Lord and my personal Savior. All right. I'm going to pray this prayer. And for everyone that made that decision, I want you to repeat this prayer. But I'm going to ask the whole room to repeat this prayer together. Just, again, for the privacy for those that made that prayer. But let's pray together. And we celebrate those decisions today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for being my Lord, and I thank you for being my Savior. I receive your forgiveness today, and I turn from doing it my way. My life is in your hands, never to be the same again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's clap our hands as we celebrate everyone that made that prayer day. And would you stand up to your feet? We're going to go out with some worship. The worship team is going to start singing. And as they sing, I want you to just join us. I want you to sing together with us. Come on, let's lift our voice together. Let's sing.